The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar's reign, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the lands of Etruria and Traconitis, Licentius, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the pontificate of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went through the whole Jordan district, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the sayings of the prophet Isaiah. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill be laid low. Winding ways will be straightened and rough roads made smooth. And all mankind shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, the 6th of December, the second Sunday of Advent, and of course we are preparing for several feasts of Our Lady, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on the 8th, and then we have Our Lady of Guadalupe, which will be on Saturday. And then there's a piece of the expectation of Our Lady. And we're moving slowly towards the great feast of Christmas, the birth of our Savior. And so it's quite fitting we should focus on the mother of our Savior. <laughs> there are many images found in the Old Testament of Our Lady. They're called types. St. Paul, in fact, refers to them as types in the letter to the Galatians. That is, events in the Old Testament which happened in the ordinary run of things in history, but they were very symbolic, highly symbolic, of a spiritual truth that is being unveiled. And several books of the Bible, uh, we could say almost um, exclusively concerned in bringing out this imagery, the type. Among them is the book of Esther. The story of Esther is relatively simple. The king, Asterasus had the queen, Vashni, 
whom he ordered to come to the banquet, and she refused. Now, in the land of um, the king, land of, of Persia, when the king made a decision, it was irrevocable. When he made the law, it could not be changed. And so it was decreed among the Medes and the Persians that if a queen refused the obedience of the king, that she would be disowned, thrown out, and somebody else would take her place. And so this was the law that was enacted. And Esther, who was a Jewess, was chosen. And so she became queen in place of Vashti. Now it so happened that in the court there was a man by the name of Haman who hated the Jews for the simple reason that one of them, Mordecai, who was Esther's uncle, refused to bow down to him. And so Haman plotted and lying to the king, he managed to get permission to wipe out all the Jews on the 13th of the month of Purim. The king issued the decree, which now became irrevocable. It would have to be carried out. And a great lamentation went throughout all the land because the Jews realized that on the 13th of that month, they would all be put to death. What could they do? Well, they put on sackcloth and ashes. And Mordecai went to his niece, Esther, who was the queen, and asked her to intercede. She said, I cannot enter the king's presence unless he calls me. If I go into his presence, I take my life in my hands. I will be killed. Unless the king offers me the golden scepter. The uncle said, you must go. If you do not go, your people will perish. Or God in his mercy might find someone else. But in either case, you yourself will die. So Esther fasted for some days. And then she went into the presence of the king. And as she entered, the king saw her and was angry. And she, seeing his face, was about to collapse. And the king's attitude towards her changed completely. And with his golden scepter, he touched her and asked her, what did she want? Even half his kingdom, he would give it to her. She asked only that the king come to a banquet and that Haman, their enemy, be invited. So Haman thought that this is good news. And he came, went to the banquet, and the king asked the queen again, what do you want? And she said that you come again a second night. So we have two banquets of two nights. Haman came again on the second night. And then, 
when the king asked the question. She said, I want the head of my enemy who plans to eliminate me and my people. And the king said, who is this? And she said, is this wretch Haman? And the king became exceedingly angry and went outside. Haman, in the meantime, recognizing the great danger he was in, fell on his knees before the queen, holding on to her and begging for his life. And the king, when he saw this, said, what, is he attacking the queen in my very presence? And instantly the, the guards grabbed Haman and he, Haman, was executed on the very gallows he had erected to execute Mordecai. So that's basically the story of the Book of Esther, which I encourage you to read. But what lies beneath it? St. Paul speaks about the types, the spiritual message that these historical stories carry and mean. Of course, the king is a symbol of God. The first queen, Vashti, is a symbol of Eve. Eve was asked to obey, and she did not, she refused, and so brought disaster to the human race. Another queen would arise, Esther, which means star. And Esther becomes the type, the symbol of a blessed lady. She, her people, us, are in grave danger. The enemy is Satan. And just as Haman slandered the Jews to the king, so does Satan slander us before God. He leads us into sin and then accuses us of sin. Only one person is exempt, is protected from him. The star of the sea, Esther, our blessed lady. She alone is exempted from his influence. But how can she enter into the presence of Almighty God? She does through her humility and her spotless purity. And when the command comes to her from by the angel, it is the father who offers her the scepter, the golden scepter, which is nothing other than his son. And so she conceives the son of God and through him wins salvation for the whole human race. Not on the first day, not on Good Friday, not on the second day, Holy Saturday, when she alone believed, 
But to the glorious resurrection of a son on the third day, the head of Satan is crushed. hung on the very gallows that he had prepared for us. Deceived as he had deceived. So Our Lady's Immaculate Conception is a cause for great rejoicing for all of us. As we heard in the second reading, My prayer, says St. Paul, is that your love for each other may increase more and more and never stop improving your knowledge and deepening your perception so that you can always recognize what is best. Two things, knowledge, because if we do not know, we cannot love. If we do not love, we will not serve. If we do not serve we, God, we cannot be happy with God. It's as simple as that. So St. Paul is praying for us, and this in fact is what all of us should pray for, that our knowledge will improve. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God and of his work, works, among us. His great work is the gift of his son for our salvation. His other works are all the other things, the other helps he has given us. In particular, the help of our Blessed Lady and of the saints, the sacraments of the church, and the prayers, our prayers for each other. But it's not just knowledge. He says we must deepen our perception. Well, what is perception but an understanding of what, we, what is required of us? We may know it, but do we understand what is required and why it's required? And so this comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit for which we must pray. And the Apostle goes on. We can recognize what is best, not what is good or even what is better, but what God requires of us, the best we can do. When we've done our best, we cannot improve on it. And he goes on, this will help you to become pure and blameless and prepare you for the day of Christ. So then our knowledge and our perception enabling us to do what is best will help us to be pure and blameless so that we are ready for Judgment Day. And Judgment Day is not someday that will come when Christ returns. But today for us is Judgment Day because we can be called to eternal to eternity today. Let us then ask that our Blessed Lady who is 
for us a ready help in time of trouble. She who is our mother, that like Esther, she will intercede for us and that we be preserved from the trickery, the deceits, the artfulness and the cunning, not forgetting the malice of our deadly enemy. St. Maximilian Colby tells us it is to the Immaculate alone, Mary Immaculate, it is to her alone that is, God has given the power to crush the head of the serpent. No one, no matter how strong, how wise, how prudent, can do it. It is only done through her purity and her humility and the fact that she alone is the Immaculate Mother of God. And therefore we ask her, as always, to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord's be. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.